Can I say we'll give it up? Kip. Mm-hmm. Amadeus Fox. Is that your middle name? It, it does start with an A. Ashton. Ashton. What's the history behind that? What's the I, Kip Fox is a cool name. Yeah. What happened? My parents uh, were elementary school teachers, and they didn't they didn't want you know me to be like one of six Adams or something in their class, you know. Uh-huh. So they had this thing like let's have unique names. Uh-huh. So my brother's name is Shay, and my name is Kip, and they just saw it in a name book. So there's that's about it. Mm, good story. But that's the reason. Yeah, great story. Off right? to a good start. Way to go. Kip Fox, welcome to the podcast. Thank it's you. nice to see you. I'm a big fan of yours. I'm a fan of the show. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> Thanks, man. Where did you grow up? I grew up. I thought you might start with that. Hmm. That's a good place to go. We could go before that, but let's, let's start with where Where were up. you conceived? I believe in the same place I was born, which is in Napa, California. Oh, charmed. Yeah. Beautiful. Na- it was 1980. The year mm. was 1980. Five, six, seven years after the great French wine competition that I should know. I should put know Napa this. on the map. Put ma- yeah, but put Mappa on the nap. Map. And uh, so nineteen eighty. So five, six years after that, right? So mm-hmm. Napa, very small town, obviously a worldwide phenomenon at this point, but not when I was born. You're just mm-hmm. a small town, mm-hmm. farm town, really, mm-hmm. kind of. So grew up there, small town, mm-hmm. till the age of sixteen. No kidding. Yeah. Give me some early musical memories. <clears throat> okay. Um, yeah, so I grew up, my parents were two-thirds of a trio, a folk trio called Canticle, and it was a uh, Christian folk trio. Hmm. They, uh, they were hippies, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. They were kind of Christian, Christian hippies, maybe you could say. My dad more so than my mom, probably. Hmm. What does that look like? What is a Christian hippie? Uh, well, look there's like? this there's this big movie coming out that just came out called Jesus Revolution. I don't know if you've heard about it. Uh-huh. It's in theaters everywhere, um, but that doesn't really. This kind of predates that mm-hmm. a little bit, maybe around the same time. <clears throat> but basically, people that were like, "Hey, man, Jesus is a hippie. Man, Jesus is groovy. Mm. Like he was all about love, man, love and sacrifice and sharing and mm. all that stuff." So mm. you know what I mean? Mm. So it's just like this laid back thing. Mm. So mm. essentially, like you've got the Christian, you've got church music right and then all of a sudden you've got people like three people with guitars singing folk songs right Mm -hmm, they mm -hmm. had this thing called the chicago folk hymnal and it was like from chicago i'm assuming and uh which is in illinois and uh there's probably several of these things but they call it a folk hymnal so it was like you know you have like these staunch hymns right from the 16th, 17th, like the Baroque era, right? That have carried on for ever since, right? right? Since the Reformation, right? We can get in a lot, all the Reformation later. Like I said, yes. we can start way further back if you want. <laughs> Let's start at the dawn but of so, time. So hymns basically come from that era, right? So um, from that century. So, but they carried all, the, people are still doing church, hymns in church today, right? But um, in the 60s, 70s, it was kind of like, hey, we could take like, Everybody loved folk music, right? It was just sweeping the nation, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we've talked about like the Laurel Canyon. I don't know if you've heard of Laurel Canyon, but it was this place in California where... That's <laughs> no. one of several canyons in yeah. the Hollywood Hills. Yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, this is taking too long, but... Uh, I love it. But they... Let's dig deep. But they start, everybody started writing folk songs for Jesus, like, you know, you. worship songs that, mm-hmm. were f- that, sound, that were folk songs, basically, right? And so would you say that, that this is... Like it wasn't, it didn't happen in the forties. Like th- this was like the first time 
uh, Christians were trying to readdress Christian music? Kind of. It's a little more complicated. It's kind of like the 40s and 50s. There's, it's not really attached necessarily to folk. Folk was one of the one of the um, representations of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's kind of 20th century like church history. It's sort of the Pentecostal movement started doing music that was like in the style of, of the day. Mm-hmm. And so you get all kinds of different styles that sort of match popular music or gospel music. But mm. folk was another iteration of that. Got and, it. you know, so the folk craze just created at the same time, created in the 60s and 70s, like just a an outpouring of like folk worship songs. Huh. Yeah. And your folks were writing their own tunes? Yeah, they were writing their own tunes and then doing like, doing covers of, I mean, they would do like, Peter Paul and Mary, you remember Peter sure. Paul and Mary and, and Bob Dylan and all that stuff. Pete Seeger. One of their one of their hits was um, they had hits. Well, I mean, you know, when they <laughs> one of my favorites, it was a yeah. hit to me. Was you know the song "What a Friend We Have in Jesus"? It's like a spiritual hymn. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. I'm singing a kind of southern gospel stuff. I can't say that. Okay, I know anyway, that so it's like this hymn that's kind of um, anyway, it's a hymn, and they would sing that. They would sing James Taylor's You've Got a Friend. And then when they got to the chorus, you just call, like you sing the chorus. You just call what a friend we have in Jesus. So like a mashup. And they mashed it up. <laughs> they mashed it up, dude. So here we are. And Anyway, so that's. Okay, they wrote that. No, no. No, that's like an old hymn. Okay, so they, gotcha. they mashed that. I so, like I said, I they, they wrote some of their own, and mm-hmm. then they did covers of songs, and, and then they, they mashed up JT with gotcha. this old hymn. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the point is that's where I started musically. Is I grew up like falling asleep to my parents and their good friend rehearsing their folk tunes for oh. their for their things, and it's like a mighty wind. I don't know if you've seen a mighty yeah. wind, but <laughs> literally like, you know, that Christopher guest and Michael McKean, I think, and the other guy yeah. from the Simpsons, um, you know, they did their like you in the movie, they're like rehearsing and they're trying to, they, they're getting back together and they're trying to remember the old harmonies. Like, what did we do there? And, blah, blah. Yeah. and to most people, it's not funny at all. To me, it's hilarious. Cause it's exactly <laughs> what I grew up listening to, like going to sleep. Uh-huh. But the cool thing was, is like, I grew up, um, there were three part harmony, like folk stuff, just mm. three part harmonies. So I grew up just listening to them, figuring out harmonies mm. and whatever, as I'm falling asleep, wow. you know, that's my earliest memory. Mm. So, um, I definitely have like folk in me for mm-hmm. sure. Um, but then I had serious, like curiosity for harmony and, you know, harmonic vocal stuff, acapella stuff. Well, you are an incredible harmony singer. Thank you. Was there secular music in the, in the, in the house too? <clears throat> yeah. It sounds sure. like James Taylor was in there. Oh, for sure. Like, most of the time it was my mom my mom was actually into um she was a music director for the church but so she was into a lot of musical theater mm-hmm. and folk so again kind of like lighter stuff you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we definitely weren't like a classic rock family but um but we had like just all these old folk records and all that stuff you know and with the christian music thing we didn't have a ton of it but there were some really like prominent folks that like artists that my dad was really into mm-hmm. um but it can be all become a confusing mess, but yeah, essentially I grew up with the folk stuff until, you know, that sort of age of 11, 12, 13, when you start to like discover mm-hmm. and get really get into stuff. That's, um, that's where our story begins. <laughs> <laughs> 
and what and what did you ever have like a like a rebellious music phase where you where you were like I'm not going to listen to folk anymore. I'm listening. Oh, for sure. To oh my gosh. No, no, no. Docking I mean, or something. No. So as soon as I got to, I had an older brother. He's like three years older, and we'll get we'll get to that. But yeah, I really got into like junior high. Um, I remember specifically somebody. Um, on like the basketball team that I looked up to had a queen record, mm. like queen, like greatest hits or something. And so uh, not record tape. Mm -hmm. So I got to borrow the tape and I, I was in the process of recording the tape to my own, like blank cassette, you right. know, like yep. back in the, back in the Did day. Did you have the high speed dub? Yeah. Where it, like it wasn't yeah. at real time. Yeah. You could like speed it up. Yeah. So it'd go quicker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Technology. Pretty much. Awesome. But my mom caught me like, uh, recording <clears throat> it and she didn't ban me from listening to Queen, but she made us listen to every song and decide like which songs I could listen to. So, for example, Fat Bottom Girls was like, I Off remember vividly, like I loved that song. Why? Because of the harmony. Oh, mm -hmm. it starts out with, the, oh, you got to take me home tonight. Hell yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, so, great harmonies. Exactly. Like, uh, Jesus. Right. They, they were incredible. But I couldn't, mm. I couldn't download Fat Bottom Girls, but I still... Could, remember it well download maybe isn't the right term exactly. oh yeah download yeah you couldn't dub it to your gosh to your 19 tape or 80, 1992 i couldn't dub it to my tape <laughs> i couldn't record i couldn't tape record it right um but <laughs> but i was so yeah 11 12 13 my brother really got into hip-hop ah. like west coast hip-hop northern and southern california so um he was playing me stuff that my ears should not have been you know listening right. to whatsoever i mean right. just Stuff that like would, NWA, like yeah, that sort of stuff. Too short, E40, mm. Easy E, that NWA stuff. Wow. Yeah. So there was that. Yeah, that's not good. For, yeah, for young kid. No, but I was all about it. I was loving that. And then, um, you know, one of the interesting things that happened before we get to you know the real meat here <laughs> is um, we're just skirting. We're just skirting. No, so one of the things that happened with the with the with this with nine early nineties hip hop is I didn't realize this that they were sampling all mm. this like cool like 70s 60s 70s 80s ish like uh yacht rock stuff mm -hmm. like they were sampling you know like um there was a song from the above the rim soundtrack do you remember the movie above the rim uh obviously about basketball yeah That's we were obsessed with basketball that was like my whole life that's a whole different story but um you were power forward uh center but i was too tall <laughs> to play so um <laughs> Was this the toddler league? But there was this mo there was this song called Regulators on oh, yeah. Above the Rent. Remember yeah, that? Yeah. But it's it's sampling Michael McDonald's right. I keep forgetting or whatever. Right, right. I didn't know that till five years ago. No kidding. You know? <laughs> I mean maybe eight or nine years ago. When my like my wife like plays me all this awesome stuff and I'm like, oh, that was that's sampled right. from regulators in nineteen ninety three from the Above the Rim soundtrack. You know right, what I mean? Right. So while I was getting all this hip hop from my brother, it was get, I was getting all these samples of like the good stuff. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, not that I love the hip hop too. Mm -hmm. Oh, so, um, so that was going on. But what I really got into big time were a couple things. My, uh, junior high, Michael Jackson. Mm. I had the, um, I think I got to Michael Jackson because of, this is all convoluted, but, uh, Weird Al. My, my mm. dad was really into Weird Al. I had the tapes and stuff. <laughs> so nature trail to hell in 3d was this, was the Weird Al album you don't even know this I album don't know this, this was album. one of his first man like in the set like maybe first or second albums really Nature after the hell in 3d 
Yeah. Is that after what he did UHF? Isn't that like yeah. a TV show know. that he did? And yeah, then, yeah, right. I think it, a, it might even be before that. Yeah, well. You can go, you can we'll put that, that in the show notes. I will, I will. I'll put a link up in the show notes. But I think Eat It was on that, I think. And so I, I think I got to beat it through Eat It. Hmm. You know what I mean? Hmm. Anyway, so I got into Michael Jackson big time. Also, that was everything that was on the radio was Michael Jackson. You couldn't avoid it. Yeah, but I was all about it. So hmm. I had the bad cassette just on repeat every i mean i knew every song i mean man in the mirror just kills me yeah my son right now we, we listen to speed demon like crazy people don't even know that michael jackson song i don't know that it's song. about going really fast um <laughs> can i wait can i share a, a, a yeah an early 90s yeah. oh thank you i i want to share an early 90s hip-hop story with you yeah because i had a very similar experience yeah yeah okay now i got hip to steely dan probably mm-hmm. in the late 80s mid 80s yeah. through my brother mm-hmm. and i was just a huge fan and then hip-hop i discovered hip-hop and one of the first tapes that i got was de la soul three feet high and rising mm-hmm. incredible record yeah uh, they introduced me to q-tip yeah uh, i mean a bunch of great hip-hop artists that that i would watch i'm like i remember q-tip from when he was on three feet high and rising anyway, yeah yeah but one of their songs sampled a steely dance song yeah and I was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. You know, not only was the hip hop killing, but they were sampling my favorite band at the time. Yeah. So it was, it was just, it was super cool. I love hip hop from that day for that yeah. reason, because it, it grooved. Yeah. You know, exactly. it was like exactly. really good music behind these, these great yeah. raps, you know, hundred percent. Yeah. And I had no, I was too young and naive. I had no idea what the, I didn't know these people were sampling mm. this stuff until I was 30 years old. So <laughs> I watched some documentary that, about sampling. I'm like, oh, that's what all the songs were doing. Right. You know, anyway. the early DJ shit. Yeah. Right? Oh, I, yeah. Oh, sorry. I'm not going to swear in this podcast. I'm a, I'll bleep that oh, out. Oh, gosh. I'm going to bleep that out. No, we're cool. It's, it's a Lutheran thing. We can, we can say that stuff. Okay. Um, all right. So you're coming online. You're, you're into, you're into Michael Jackson. You're yeah. early teens. Yeah. When and- did you pick up the guitar? Oh, I want to keep talking more oh, about the other stuff. No, let's I'm go. just kidding. One more, one more thing is just uh, got into like I was in acapella, so I got into boys mm. to men. Boys to men. You remember? Oh like yeah, nineteen ninety one. Heck yeah. Cooley High Harmony. Yeah. Anyway, so super got into. So then I got into R and B, super mm. heavy. I was all about R and B. I mean, basically like vocal groups like that. But I really got into Brian McKnight and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyway, fast forward. That pretty much lasted through until about age sixteen. Mm-hmm. When I was 16, we moved from um, Napa, California to Anaheim, California. So, Anaheim, Orange County. So, Napa to Orange County, hard life. And um, so, when we did, um, basically, you know, kind of flipped this little kid from Napa upside down, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. I, I don't know why I said it like that. <laughs> and what, what were you doing with your fingers? <laughs> Just flipping something upside down. Um, so, uh, moving down there kind of, you know, kind of like shattered a bunch of little, you know, I mean, I was in the prime of my life there at 16. I mean, mm-hmm. what's better than that? No. Right. So moving down there just kind of like shifted everything. I was, I was so obsessed with basketball and making sure that I couldn't, you know, was on varsity and starting and, you know, like all that mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. And I had started my sophomore year of high school. So I was 14, 15. Well, freshman year of high school. Let me one, go back a little bit. Mm-hmm. I was doing the sports thing, but then I was meeting friends in classes that like were singers and musical and really talented. And I had this in me, mm-hmm. you know, that was kind of this life I had that I didn't like really want to do in high school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, but then 
you know, like they were really talented people. So then I started being like, Hey, like sharing songs with them that I liked. Like I remember sharing one last cry by Brian McKnight to like one of my friends who was in the choir and in this music or whatever. So I started making friends. So then my sophomore year, I joined the choir mm. and was doing choir and sports. Mm-hmm. A Renaissance man, A Renaissance man. But I was, it was like, I was about to crash and, and burn just like too many things doing at once. So then like my end of my sophomore year, all that got erased because I moved down to a you know different city, new place. But I moved. I went to a very small like private high school in Southern California, where you could kind of do everything mm. again, and because everything was just much more chill. Point is, uh, I moved down. I am doing still doing the sports stuff, but joined the choir there. And it's like um, there's this little this group called Unlimited Warranty, which is was like a high school band that would go around doing CCM stuff. Like CCM songs. So, again, so it was a private Christian yeah, high school. Uh-huh, exactly. And so that first semester, I really started engaging with, I was just singing at that point, but I got re-engaged with sort of like being in a group and a band situ- situation where we're doing covers where of songs I knew and songs I, I grew up with. Hmm. And so that Christmas, I asked for a guitar, finally, uh, acoustic guitar. So I was 16. And that's when it's that started. Hmm. So I got an acoustic guitar at 16, and because my parents um, were played all, they were playing these folk songs over this. I mean, that's the easiest stuff to start with. Mm-hmm. So I got out this Chicago folk hymnal and played um, "Humble." There's a song called "Humble Thyself in the Sight of the Lord," which is kind of a downer, <laughs> but um, but uh, it's like you know, it's three chords. It's uh-huh. E minor. Uh, D E minor D goes back and forth, and then the chorus is like C D E minor, right? So great. I mean, easy as can be. That's good. So that's what I started with. Yeah. And I would go to my go like walk across the hall and go, Mom, how do I play a G? Because you know the 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 thing was just like words with chords over, you know, tab mm-hmm. tabish Tabs, kind of stuff. Yeah. Um. So I started on that. Wow. And that was it, man. And then I had a couple of friends, uh, Mike Terpstra, John Mangles, yeah, and we uh. Start playing stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Writing? Yeah, start playing stuff. And then, yeah, you know, when you kind of like, you've got girls that you're kind of interested in. So then it's time to kind of start, you know, maybe I'll write a song about that. You know, maybe mm-hmm. I'll try to whatever. Mm-hmm. Start doing that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, not like I didn't, I was, I'm super slow to do it. I mean, I just was sort of barely going along, just mm-hmm. banging out chords and writing a song a year. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, sure. until I got to college, I guess. And when did you go to school? Uh, college? Yeah. Concordia University, Irvine. It's okay. a liberal arts school in Orange County, Irvine, California, right yeah. next to UC Irvine. Which is, yeah, we were there. We were there. Life and Moral yeah, King yeah. did a show at, in Irvine yeah. at, that, at that college. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. I mean, what a stunning setting yeah. to be. Yeah. In. No, the, the campus, the, the Concordia campus is up on a hill. I mean, you can see the, you can see all of Orange County from like, like this little chapel on the hill. Awesome. It's, inc- it's incredible. So. And, and was the, was the idea to <clears throat> pursue what, what, like what, what did you want to study? What I wanted, I, I wanted to do, uh, I was pretty, had a pretty like myopic view of life at that point. And, uh, and, my brother and I both were interested in being youth min- youth ministers, basically, because hmm. we grew up small town. We had this church, and then all of a sudden, these like DCEs they call them, directors of Christian education. They're basically youth pastors. We started our church started hiring like interns that would come in, and they were really cool and fun, and they did all sorts of fun stuff with us. So then, mm-hmm. like this was right as we we're in high school, junior high. So then it was like, oh, I can do that. Hmm. So 
I was just like, I'm going to be a youth pastor because you get to like float on houseboats and eat, you know, candy and do fun stuff because it's hmm. you're playing with high school kids, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I was like, that was good enough for me. But about a year and a half in, I took a couple classes of that and I was like, this seems like a harder job than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> and I was doing a bunch of music stuff. At that point, I was starting to f- just go a lot more with music and I, I got a music scholarship. So I was a music major, but in the DCE program, I was a music mm-hmm. major, but in the youth pastor program. And, um, this whole thing was like, I want to do, do music, but the program was classical, you know, like, like many programs, but I was like kind of a product of my parents, like this guitar playing, like, you know, they called it contemporary music, mm-hmm. um, was, uh, was the thing, right. Which is what kind of the folk movement and the Pentecostal movement turned into eventually was contemporary music versus what they call traditional music. Right. Not verses, but it did create and still does create a lot of friction, right? That sort of the old versus the new, mm-hmm. but I didn't, I didn't want to do the classical thing just cause I loved the, I loved the contemporary thing, the modern music, basically commercial music, like what you hear on the radio, mm-hmm. because that's what I loved, right? Mm-hmm. It's all this stuff, all these influences. Right. And, and, and an acoustic guitar doesn't really fit into a, into a classical. Right. Well, an acoustic setting. guitar and a, and a, a drum kit and a bass and right. an electric guitar and keys. And you know, the, the, you're, what, what you'd see at a, at a rock show. And, and, and they weren't really, not that they weren't supportive of that. There was just no program. The program for wasn't that. there. And I, right. I, I had gone there for a different thing and then, right. but I had this musical gift and I grew up with that, uh, the classical stuff. And, so in college, I mean, I, my whole four years, I took classical voice. My emphasis was voice. So I, I was singing like Italian arias and German schnitzels and all that kind of mm, stuff. I love a good German I don't think schnitzel. schnitzel's the term, but it's <laughs> all I could think of. Anyway, where were we? So so graduate with a degree, decide though that, oh, that, so that the I, DCE so, thing wasn't... No, the... so like two years into college, I go to my like program director and I'm like, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. And I love music, but I don't know that she's like, well, you could, she was awesome. And she was like, well, you could do this and you could be a worship leader doing contemporary music in a church full, like as a job. And mm. I was like, you can, you yeah. know, like nowadays that's like, it's everywhere. It's a big but industry. Even, yeah. Oh, totally. Know. And, and it's just like a, a part of most churches life is like contemporary music, just modern music mm-hmm. set in, in a church setting. Mm-hmm. But for me, that was like, I didn't even know you could, do that. I mean, I knew right. you could do that. In high school, I'd started to get involved with, I mean, I could go on and on, but I got looped into like a contemporary band at a church. Um, and that was amazing. Right. But at that point I didn't know I could do that for a career at all. And she was like, you can do that. We're not set up for you to do it really, but you could still like graduate with a music major, take these decent, like these like theology courses. And then, you know, just kind of, we'll kind of figure it out. And by the time I graduated, there was a official program, within our church body that like gave you like a official thing. So you could, you would go out and do it, um, as a called worker, they would call it. But anyway, so you, you were the impetus to change, uh, this whole program and, and, and contemporize. Is that even a word to make something? You changed and, and created this new thing that, that, that you could, yeah, I mean, in I was kind of the first one in our church body, which is a Lutheran uh, church body, and it's even more specific than that. But within our synod, we call it. Um, I mean, I wasn't the first. There were people doing it all over, but mm-hmm. like the first kid to kind of come through college and come out 
going. I mean, literally the, the summer before I, my senior year, they created like the official status of a hmm. director of parish music, it's called. Hmm. And then I graduated the next day. Like, we're like, Hey, let's do this and this. So you can graduate with that mm-hmm. distinction. Cool. So I think I was the first one, not that it matters too much, but that's um, cool. Yeah. But so then I have this foot in, in like that where I grew up, my mom was, again, she was a music director. So I grew up with straight choir, organ, all the time. Right, right. But at the same time, she was doing a folk trio thing. So my parents were kind of living in both worlds. Right. And I was too. And then, you know, yeah. there you go. That's interesting. What happens after that? Mm, great question. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, <laughs> I mean, these questions are incredible. And you're doing this all freehand. This is amazing. No notes. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is great. I could talk for hours about. Let's talk for hours. Let's talk for hours. Um, so I, I do an internship out of school at a church. Um, that doesn't go really well. So they moved me to another internship. That's Are a you long still story. in California? No, Texas. I go out to Austin, Texas. Uh-huh. And, uh, that was kind of weird for a few months. And then, um, thankfully got moved to uh, like replaced, replaced and replaced, <laughs> um, in Houston, Texas and at a bigger church that kind of could sustain like an intern that was kind of learning how this all works, you mm-hmm. know, that did contemporary music and traditional, which is like, so your early twenties, the yeah, first time kind of, kind of out first time out from yeah. under. Yeah. The thing. 21, I graduated. They, and like you kind of, there's this thing where they place you kind of wherever you don't know really. And that you're like, Hey, you're going to Texas. Sounds like, and I was like, service. great, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to Austin, Texas music town. I'm yeah. going to, I'm going to kill it out there. The it's going to be great. Beatles. Whatever. Didn't go so great. Went to Houston. Great place there. Uh, met one of, a guy who's basically one of my best friends is one of my best friends. And, uh, today, and, um, he kind of brought me under his wing and taught me all this stuff. Then I graduated fast forward or I, that year ended, I went back home and I wanted to like, I wanted to do like the artist. I had come to the point where I wanted to do the artist thing, but not in church. Hmm. So I wanted to like be a singer songwriter, you know, Mm -hmm. that was Mm -hmm. kind of, I had been throughout the college stuff. I'd been writing more and more. My senior year of college, I did a, a 12 song album that a friend, a lady, old lady from my church growing up gave me like 10 grand mm. and said, I heard you love to do music. And so I did a 12 song record. I wow. had to like write a bunch of songs to do it cause I didn't have any. And so that record's kind of scary, but and that's sec- secular music or no, Christian that music? was Christian. Okay. Um, but then when, after about a year there and uh, a year of my internship coming back home, you know, I kind of had this like, I don't know how it happened exactly, but I was just like, I think I want to do like what the kids call secular music, you know, like I want to do non-church music as a profession, but also still kind of work in the church. So, um, long story short, I ended up moving out to Vegas where I was kind of an artist in residence sort of at, at a church, but then I was trying to come up in the Vegas scene, like down on the strip. Uh huh. So, um, this is way too in the weeds, but I started at the Palms there. Uh, the Palms, I don't, I don't know if it's still there. I don't. I remember when the Palms came out? It was like this like new, fresh thing. Yeah. These like two brothers that started the Palms. It was kind of off the strip. Anyway, I started open mic there. Got kind of noticed by a guy that does, you know, was booking stuff all over town. Uh. And so I kind of was doing that thing. And in the meantime, got a job as a gondolier at the Venetian. No. Yeah. So I was singing Italian arias, driving the gondola at the Venetian, if you've ever been there. I have a question. Yeah. I've heard that those gondolas are on a track. They're not. So you're really steering Yeah, but things. they're motorized. You're not, you don't have to do the work of the stick. They're mo- the motorized. So there's a little button. 
Uh-huh. Oh gosh, this is. I mean, is this like looking are we behind get the curtain? Censored? Are we yeah. going to get shut down? From Vegas this? is going to close this podcast. podcast. Yeah. Um. So you're actually steering. You're this steering thing. it. Yeah, you have to go through training and steer it. You got to steer. You got to sing, whatever Italian aria they ask you to. Which most thankfully, or you just say, I don't know that one. Right. And you had to pretend you to were be Italian. Italian. No. Yeah. I had to pretend I was Italian. How did so, that work? Uh. Well, uh, just uh. <laughs> Hey, uh, I'm from, uh, from Italy, you know, there's my, there you go. I'm yeah. convinced. So you had to fake that you were Italian, that come is... up with a backstory. So my, I said oh I was, my my, I said my name was Cupo, which is like a leaf or something, but it sounded kind of like my name. And then I was from Lake Cuomo cause of I had course. been there and that yeah. was beautiful. So I yeah. said, that's where I was from. Oh my God. But it was, it was, uh, I mean, if you go there now, they're it's all real, uh, real Italians, yeah. and they're all that's real. Right. But back then, um, we were just faking it. And, that's funny. And I was I'm generally like scared to sort of like rock the boat, so I pretended to be Italian for a long time, and then I realized like oh half the people that are gondoliers here like they gave up the accent a long time ago, <laughs> you know. You're still carrying the torch. But yeah, <laughs> Lake Cuomo. Yeah. So oh sole mia, I mean, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the moon hits your eye, pizza pie. Yeah. All the stuff. Yeah. You know, great classic Italian. <laughs> you know, what the Italians would say are the finest songs on earth. <laughs> so I did that. Yeah. The yeah. Vegas thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway. So I was uh, started to do that and was like got a gig at the House of Blues. I was going to open up for somebody, somebody important, but that fell through. And But, you know, kind of came up a little bit there. Yeah. Um. And what year was this? This was two. Th- I was 23, 24, 25 years old. This was uh-huh. night. This was two thousand four, five, six. Uh huh. And then in 06, a buddy at a church down here in in Phoenix area was like, "Hey, you know, would you ever want to?" We're growing. It was like a church plant. They were growing, and he was a, the youth pastor and the music guy, but he was more of a youth pastor guy. I came down. I was like, "I'm not." I mean, I'm not, not gonna, I'm not going to leave. There. I'm not going to go. And yeah. I came down, met the pastor, loved him, loved, you know, and it was like being back with a friend from college and all that stuff. And it's like, oh my gosh, I'm going to move here. Wow. 2006. Yeah. 2006, I moved down. And a couple years later, that same church helped fund a record I did of secular songs. Huh. Of uh, like acoustic pop tunes. I don't know if you've heard them, man. Songs like uh, Long Way Home and... Love it. You haven't heard these songs. No, I haven't. Anyway, I did Are like they a full on the interwebs. Kinda. You can, you can. I think you can purchase a few CDs that are left out there. But I kind of took it down when I went into this new phase mm-hmm. of of worship writing. Before we get to this new phase, let's yeah. take it. Let's take a pause. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm feeling it. Okay. Hey there, I am Boomer. And I'm Pixie Ola. Our podcast, Service Entrance People, is for and about the gritty, underpaid, underprivileged service industry workers of the world. Unite! Day in and day out, we walk through the parking lot of broken dreams. So if you're interested in listening and sharing in the war stories of the, the industry, and if you're curious as to what us, the help, are really thinking, we are going to educate you with stories of the strange, shocking, and hilarious, because laughing is the only way that we can think to even try to get our ways through each day. (laughs) This industry is one that we absolutely, truly love. And although you'll hear horror stories and rants and bitching that we have to work at 
work because that's the kind of petty betty that we are. We kid because we care. You can find Service Entrance People on all major platforms as well as YouTube and would like to say thank you for tuning into my friend Brian Chartrand and the So The Story Goes podcast. I've known him for longer than he or I would admit and yes, he is that cool in real life. Mm. Is it good to go? Mm. It is. It is. Do it again. Mm. I like that. Can I sample that for future pods? Mm. I yeah, like that. Let me, let's do a couple, the, cu- couple of clean. That. Couple clean. Mm. How about one that's a little bit more curious? Mm? <laughs> there you go. Nailed it. First take. <laughs> one take Timmy over here. Um, all right. This new phase. New phase. Let's talk about the new phase. Met the love of my life, got married, and met her in 08, got married in 010, and um, went to this conference for, uh, for my this church body that I'm a part of, and uh, it was a songwriter conference, mm. and it was, it, was, mm. it was great. They were trying to get people together. It was all good, but at that conference, I was like, I kind of had this thing like, I'd always been kind of avoiding writing worship music, even though that's what I did for my profession, was lead people in these songs that were written for worship, for Christian worship. <laughs> And, um, and I had been attached to it my whole life, but, um, it was at that retreat kind of in that moment, I was like, I'm going to pursue this and I'm going to like, not just pursue writing songs for a church, but also like get serious about songwriting up until that point. It was just kind of like right here and there, you know, when I felt like it, whatever, but it was kind of like, I kind of realized, Oh, to be a songwriter, you get up and you write every day and then you. You know, mm. you become a professional essentially mm-hmm. at the at the craft. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I was thirty years old that I realized that, uh, or got into that. So um, that happened. A uh, year, I was working towards an album, uh, an EP was going to be my first kind of like worship thing, where I was like, "Here's an EP of songs that you can use in your church for worship." And what? Uh, th- 2010? No. 2010. Okay. Yeah. So not that long ago. <clears throat> and uh, just hit me real quick with what your actual songwriting process is it does like you wake up you have a cup of coffee and you start to write yeah so um are you a tea drinker no and i wasn't a coffee at all so like literally up until 29 didn't touch coffee hated it Hmm. but when i decided to write songs uh you know for real get serious buddy um i realized i'm gonna get up at 6 a.m which to me back back then was early but it when you have a four-year-old, that's not early, that's any, not early anymore. anymore at all. Yeah, yeah. But back then, that was very early. And I'm like, I'm going to get up at 6 a.m. and I'm going to write for two hours. Wow. And so I, th- I said, in order to do that, I got to drink coffee, mm. even though I don't like it, mm. just to get something to get you up. Mm. So I started drinking coffee with mm. milk and sugar. And now I'm get rid of that sugar. It's bad, mm. for, you. bad for you. I weaned myself off over the years. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, at th- right at that age, I was just like, boom, here, I'm going to do it. And and uh, just got married. My wife was really supportive of, of that and... I would bring her coffee every morning, you know. Uh, Good husband. Yeah, I try. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, so then I started getting really serious. So a year, so a year of that, pretty much. Cranking and then out I'm, tunes. Cranking out tunes, and then it was like, okay, I'm gonna. And it's funny. I mean, you're not good at something when you until you do it a lot, you know. Right. And even now, looking back, you know, like we all do. But um, about a year into it, I was like, okay, I'm gonna start working towards record. And my my buddy Rob. Um, who had been the bass bass player in my band and bass player at the church with me here in town, sent me this email of this woman who was coming to town to do a songwriter, like, oh, she was coming for a retreat. She's a Christian music publisher that was coming uh, to town to do like a some kind of 
conference. She was coming for a conference. But the day before, she was doing a songwriter critique situation where you could bring bring your your songs in and play, right? So, and he was like, this this woman looks legit, you know. I mean, because mm-hmm. you don't, you never know that kind of thing. And he was like, "This looks like a legit thing." So you hadn't heard of her before. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know anything about that world at all. And she was. And so I, I it's so funny because I I went to this church, this old place. I couldn't figure out where it was. Anyway, we all crammed into this coffee shop that they only opened on Sundays. So it was this musky old place. Musky. 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 I love that word. And uh, muskegee. <laughs> anyway, so I played. <laughs> I played. Uh, I wanted to get there early because I wanted to play it first because I had a men's softball game later that night. You had your priorities. Yeah, no joke. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, and I got there first, and and uh, I played it for her, and she ripped it apart, you know. But she said it sound, you know, she liked my the voice and the playing and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, uh. she she was offering like coaching, you know. Um, she was a a former VP of a publishing company in Nashville, like a, a major Christian publishing company. Um, and she was starting her own thing. So she was basically starting her own publishing company and kind of entrepreneurially looking for content. Yeah. Looking for content and looking for customers and all that. Mm, stuff. Mm. So, so, you know, I wanted to, I was working on this record and she had mentioned kind of like, if you're start trying to develop towards a record or something, then we could work on, you know, I could meet with you once a week and whatever. So, you know, she's offering different kind of products. Mm-hmm. So I did that. Um, talked to my wife and she was like go for it you know and so we paid i paid to meet with her you know once a week or every couple weeks working towards this ep of worship music that i was working on so after i finish it i finish uh my time with her i finish the ep she reaches out and wants to sign me Mm. to her new publishing company Mm -hmm. and that was that was mind-blowing and um so that was cool and then that kind of so i did that in 2011 Right as soon as right as I re- released this record, and um, one of the songs it's called "This Dust" is the name of the EP, and that song is still one of my most popular songs. It's probably second most, if not the most popular song. This dust. This dust. Yeah, is the name of the EP. And yeah, and the song. And the song that is that is uh, like the main song. On. Got you. And people can find it somewhere. Yeah, Spotify. Spotify. iTunes. Okay. Amazon. Mm-hmm. Kipfox.com. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So she reached out of that. So I did that. We went to Nashville, out to Nashville to meet with her. We signed. And then she, um, the thing was, I was going to fly out every couple months and, and do like four or five days straight of di- like back to back writing sessions, doing the like Nashville co-write thing, mm-hmm. like in the, in the room with the writers, that kind of thing. I'd never done that at all. Had no idea how it went, whatever. Mm-hmm. But she brought me along. And so she, the first week she started me out, um, you know, there's, there's just all different levels of songwriters in, in town. And so she set me up with sort of like aspiring artists and like songwriters that were just getting going. And then like at the, the, the very end of that first week, she set me up with a writer named Sam Mizell, who, um, is an incredible writer and had a lot of, um, success with Christian radio, uh, in terms of like number one tunes. And, uh, I was crazy nervous about that. And, uh, you knew of him before. I didn't know of him, but I knew a bunch of the songs that he'd oh, written yeah. from the radio. Yeah. You know, so um, that was insane. I drove out to his house and just, it was a crazy experience. And we wrote a song in um, about 45 minutes, even though we we needed three hours. We, you know, normally mm-hmm. do a three hour session. It went so fast. He, he's so good. It was like the best song I'd ever 
technically written, you know, co-written or written him. I was just like, this is incredible. Did you bring anything to that writing session? Did you bring a nugget of something or was it? Yeah. So I was, she coached me up to bring stuff to every session. Mm. And so you would prepare, like I had just scraps from writing every day. You have Mm -hmm. all these scraps. So then you go, you take all, I took all the names on the list of each of these writers and and knowing what they wrote, you know, some of them just hearing if they were artists, like what kind of music it was, or if they'd written songs or hits or cuts for other artists, just going, okay, this is what they're like. And then I would just like, okay, for this day, Mm -hmm. for this ride, I'm going to come with these three ideas Mm -hmm. because I know this person, whatever. Mm -hmm. So for Sam, Mm -hmm. it's like I came with um, the best ideas I could possibly think of. I don't remember, um, I don't remember if I even, I probably had, I almost had nothing to do with the song probably. Um, But it was awesome. And I ended up writing with Sam a lot more over those course of the years and we're friends and um, he's still just writes incredible music. I mean, he's just insane. Uh, one of the best writers I know mm-hmm. anyway. So that was that. And then for the next three years, I would fly out, um, every few months and just do these hard weeks where I would just go, go, go and write with, and then, but it was just insane. It was, it was a dream come true. It was like more than a dream come true. You know, we all have dreams of kind of like our music and our art becoming so big that we're, you know, we're the biggest thing in the world. Right. And that's all our goals. But like to to get to Nashville and get to write in writers' rooms with writers that were writing for the big artists, and mm-hmm. it was insane. You mm-hmm. know, just like yeah, you know, some I might bet. say some might say a divine, mm. you know. Give me the thing again. Mm. Mm? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's, so kind of a an early success story. Yeah, in the right. sense that. You're 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 doing exactly what you set out to do, and mm-hmm. and and intention, it kind of fast. you know. Yeah, that's him. Yeah, it was it was crazy wild, and then, um, right about the time my three year term was up, um, my publisher uh, became very ill, and eventually died of uh, lung cancer. Hmm. Uh, I mean, not eventually, pretty pretty shortly after that, and uh, that was that was kind of I mean that really was incredibly hard, completely messed with me. At the same time, uh, her husband was really supportive in trying to get me to continue to be out there. And so I had all these relationships with other writers and other publishing companies and publishers from, from all the years she had set me up. So I spent another six months or so going out there and relying on those relationships and trying to get a deal from these other mm-hmm. places. Mm-hmm. And I did, I, I got to the point where I was about to be offered so I thought a deal with a great publishing company and I met with A&R and I did this whole thing and, uh, everything kind of went silent <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and then, you know, they reached out and basically said, look, you know, based on a lot of different factors, you know, number one, just the way music, the music business huh. that has become and publishing and, and how much money there isn't even the thing. Right. I mean, these, these could be excuses for sure, things you say. But it was just kind of like, if you don't live here and this mm. and that, like, <laughs> there's not a deal we can really give that's gonna like be that beneficial to you. I mean, you can just do what you're doing still and just keep doing that or whatever. Mm. Anyway, mm. Mm. that was a big blow. Mm. Like you said, this sort of, I decided I was gonna do it. A year later, this happened. Mm. All my dreams came true. And then it was like, uh oh, you know, mm. this mm. is kind of slipping away. And, uh, that was 2014, 2015. And, um, yeah, that was wild. So I've, I had to go just processing through that and, 
And then um, I kept going out there for a while, but and, and meanwhile leading worship here in yeah. town still. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yep. Hmm. So I was doing that basically part time, where I would a couple days a week on Sundays for sure, and then hmm. a couple other days manage the weekly worship. And stuff. it sounds like we're leading up to maybe potentially the most important part hmm. of this podcast, which is meeting me. That is correct, dude. Gosh. Okay. So. <laughs> That all was happening at the same time, man. That was simultaneously. Well, we met, what, in, oh, 20, oh, yes, right, exactly, 2013? Gosh, yeah, probably. Something like that? Yeah. I mm-hmm. think. Well, that's the first time yeah. Live from Laurel Canyon performed. Yeah, so probably 2012? Yeah. Something like that, right in that right in that time. So we right. met through our friend, Mike Florio, yep. and Voce Lounge, that's which right. was the club that he was running. Uh, he, and Connie was singing there, and that's right. And he had a, an incredible uh, group of musicians playing there. Yep. And I somehow, well, Mike found me under a rock and <laughs> and asked me to do some stuff there. And and you had a friend who introduced you to Mike Florio. Yep. And the idea uh, for Live from Laurel Canyon is born. And your idea, you're a shoe in because. You crush James Taylor. Thank you. And you crush Jackson Brown. And you crush the Eagles. You're a fantastic harmony singer. Natural ear for harmony. Great guitar player. This is my favorite part of the podcast for sure. You're a little snarky, but I love your sense of humor. Thank you. You're handsome. A handsome man. Right. You can, People can't see you on this podcast. I see you now. You know what I mean? It's probably my big head. They say that if you have a big head, you know, it's kind of made for Hollywood. <laughs> Metaphorically and physically. Physically, yeah. Um, but anyway, you, that's we, really nice. Yeah, of course. And we had a nice uh, run with yeah, well, live I mean, from Laurel Canyon. Yeah, I mean, you were doing, you were, you know, you were just crushing the whole town, and I just came along, you know, little old me. And then you were like, "Hey, do you want to do this show?" And I was like, "Dude." You kidding? You you're asking me to do this show? Well, and I I didn't know you enough to know that you would be great for this role. I think it was yeah. Florio who was like, okay. "Listen, we need a third singer," yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And he and he's like, "I got the guy. Yeah, he's yeah. gonna nail this." That's wild. You know, and I, and he was right. Thanks, he Mike. often he often is right. Yeah, he he's yeah he's the he's man. got an ear. Um. Yeah. So I mean, I was just like honored like crazy that you even asked me to be a part of it because I mean just the band you put together and the yeah and then the songs again if we go right. back to the my early years it was like yeah I know all these songs already right and I mean we skipped over it because you know I was talking a mile a minute but at about 16 17 I got heavy back into James Taylor uh. so that that's why when you came to me with the show uh, and then all those other guys I mean Jackson Brown and and uh the Eagles and I mean all that kind of stuff I was ready to go cause yeah yeah, so you had it in the stable. I was born. I was came up with it, and then came back to it, and then yeah. I can't get away from it. Well, that's a good that's a good problem to have, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, some say we had a great we had a great run, and then uh, you had to move on to uh, to, yeah. to greener pastures. Yeah. And I've finally been able to rope you back in to the orbit with James and Joni, which is so fun. Uh, I love that show. Yeah, it's incredible. It's a fun show, and you kill it. Well, thank you. I still just feel like I'm the, you know, I just kind of won the lottery and I get to sit there and sing a few tunes, but with all the pros, but mm. I appreciate it, man. That band is killing though, it's, isn't it? You know, everybody, I mean, it's, it's, it's insane to be able to just stand in front of them while they do their thing. Yeah. So 
Well, I still want to discuss. I want to listen to a song. Yeah. And pop it in the pod. So you know what song you want we can we can listen to now that we can plug in? I do. It's called Let Me Count the Ways. How many times, Lord, have I been cared for? Every step you've been with me. So many moments that I have been broken. Only to find you could fix me. Let me count the Sounds great. Thank you. you cut this in Nashville? Yeah. Incredible band. The mix is great. And what strikes me, as someone who doesn't really know kind of spiritual songs, yeah. it's, if you, you know, and, and this particular song to me isn't overt, you know, it's not like mm-hmm. Jesus or there's no, you know. Yeah, yeah. All all like it's there's, there's there's a very thin line between kind of contemporary pop music just normal pop music mm-hmm. and christian music yeah if you if you replace some of the words mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. it could that's yeah. a love song right right yeah so the blueprint is the same mm-hmm. and and at first i was like wow there's no you know let me count the days you have been faithful that that could be a song about a relationship yeah. i mean uh, clearly yeah, yeah. it is yeah, sure sure yeah. but it just it just strikes me and and you know, I guess as someone who doesn't isn't that familiar with with kind of uh, Christian music, um, and and you are the expert on this, but it is like contemporary pop production, mm-hmm. and all you have to do is slightly change the lyrical content to yeah. ha- have that be on the regular pop rock radio. Sure, you know? sure. So what was yeah, the- just like South Park did? What did they do? The uh, Christian pop episode on South Park. You got to go watch it. It's pretty great. I don't see. I'm not a big South Park guy. Okay. Well, it's a little too. If you're if you're in Christian music, you know the the South Park episode where they make fun of Christian music. <laughs> you know, and it is funny. <laughs> well, yeah, tell me so, about this song. Well, so what you know what you're speaking to basically, you know, um, essentially mu- music is its own language, right? And mm. so we all. Um, it's a form of expression. So we're expressing ourselves, we're expressing our beliefs, whether they be Christian or otherwise, and, or love professed for someone else, love confessed, whatever. Um, we're doing that through the musical language that we love, right? Or the musical language that we grew up with, or, I mean, really, that's both things. So all these influences, all the things we've talked about mm. up to this point, the music that I listen to, that's the language that I express myself in. So it sounds a lot like um, 
you know, the radio. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not saying my song sounds like the radio, but I'm saying it sounds like that stuff mm-hmm. because that's the stuff that moves me. And so I express my faith and I express myself in a way that moves me, uh, you know, in terms of what I believe with those with that musical language. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a different way of looking at it. You know, it's, I mean, you certainly say like, yeah, you could substitute it. You can substitute it because myself and everybody I know grew up with I grew up the same music that you did on the mm-hmm. radio and I loved it the same way you did. Um, and, and in my context with, um, the work that I do and, and the, and what I believe, um, I'm going to use that to express mm-hmm. it. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, there's a, there's a mass, a wide variety of, of musical styles that Christians or other faiths, uh, express themselves in. Hmm. And uh, so it's going to sound very similar to mm-hmm. something else, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's a bunch of Nashville studio assassins. <clears throat> yep, yeah, for sure. There's obviously like a um, kind of a Motowny vibe, but mm-hmm. then you have a little pedal steel. Mm-hmm. Like it, it checks a lot of boxes. It mm-hmm. goes in a number of places. Yeah, you kind of have a almost like a yeah, like a gospel rock and roll vocal style on that. Mm-hmm. You know, you go. Yeah nice big chorus yeah. like it's all the building blocks that we right. as you say right. that we both have been employing right. f- for for years and years and years yeah. and it references our influences mm-hmm. in a way and so this came out in 2016 yeah 2016 2017 so like in that. in the in your career you're kind of in the middle of your, you know, like it was written yeah. kind of in the middle of your career, yeah, kind yeah. of looking back. And, yeah. and so you had all those great Nashville connections mm-hmm. through your work there. And yep, I have through my work there and a buddy of mine, Corey Witt, uh, was an incredible guitar player, session guy in LA, um, connected me to a guitar player out there. And that's how that connection happened. Mm-hmm. At the same time I was writing. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like, so I would go out to write and I get to hang out with these guys who then would do, who do a lot of my records and who are doing my upcoming record as well. Yeah. Let's, let's wrap about the upcoming record too, which will come out in May. Yeah. May 28th so far. And people can find it. We'll yep, find Kipfox. it on com and follow Spotify me at Kip Fox, K I P F O X. Yeah. Yeah. And a single's coming out May 12th and we'll be announcing what that is soon. Very exciting. We, my team of, you know, people, <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be announcing that soon. Uh, yeah, so that's coming out. And that really is, um, that's 12 songs. That's the first full-length album I've done since uh, 2006. So that's kind of a long time. Yeah. But uh, that is going to be, I'm excited about it uh, just because it's, I feel like it's a really full expression of all my all my favorite things. Yeah. Um, and I think when you, you know, I've, writing songs for a long time, and especially writing songs in service of something, like write, writing songs for people to sing, in mm-hmm. their churches and use their own voice. Um, you know, you over time, you're writing that much, you just get a lot of stuff. And so I'm going back, I've gone back through some of that, um, mine some of the old stuff and pick some of my favorites, some of the things that I've just always, that I never put out that I mm-hmm. want to, just a few of those. And then a bunch of new stuff here in these last couple of years that uh, I'm crazy excited about. And really, you know, like you said, it's, it's I mean, in terms of when I st- really started going at it 12 years ago, 13 years ago, um, really getting in the space now where I'm so comfortable in it that I'm writing what I want to and what I like and then feeling that out. So anyway, all that to say, I'm excited about this record. It's just going to be a ton of fun mm. and expressing all different styles. You know, when I we went into the studio, I just told the guys, like, I want, um, I don't want this, this doesn't need to all sound 
you know, unified are the same. I want a, a diverse, like just creative exploration of all this stuff. Now, you know, it's not like I'm crazy, you know, my styles are crazy diverse, but like all of us these days, I mean, we have so many different styles and, mm. and things that we like, and that's going to be represented in this again. So like what I was talking about earlier with all my musical love languages are going to be poured out through, uh, songs that are that are considered christian music songs or worship songs so the the intent behind this record is is as we were talking about on one of the breaks is that other churches will will play this music in their services yeah that's exactly. the intention yeah and that's what i set out to do with that first uh ep 12 13 years ago so mm-hmm. most of these songs uh well this time around with this album i've i've again i've, I've done a little bit of kind of just a few tunes are more fun. Um, not that those songs aren't fun, but just not necessarily that way. Mm-hmm. But a lot of them, yes, are. That's, that's what I've always done is to write songs for churches to use in their congregations for their people to sing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of the tunes are, are of, that, of that variety. So folks will be able to, uh, folks go to my website and download the charts and lead sheets and do the songs in their churches. Mm. That's crazy. It's such a different... I mean, it's different and it's not, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. but I'm but I'm fascinated. There's a whole industry. And that's one thing that I really learned when I moved out here. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we have friends that make their living playing in churches. And yeah. they're not necessarily religious or, or, yeah. or, or whatever. Right. Or Christian even. Yeah. So it's just, it's, it's been a, an interesting uh, education. Yeah. Into that world a little bit. Yeah, it's interesting. So there's, um, you know, some churches are not into that. Like if you mm. if you don't believe mm-hmm. exactly what they believe, then you can't play here. Right. And there's all, all different churches have different different things. Um, you know, what I, my my thing and, and a lot of folks that I know, um, we celebrate as as people who believe what we believe, we celebrate like all human beings having a vocation, having something that they were gifted and mm. gifted to do and have developed as a skill and that serve God, whether they know it or not hmm. with that mm-hmm. gift or that skill. Hmm. And so, um, you know, using folks like that in a service to use their gift that we believe they've been given. That's interesting. Um, and this, and the skill that they have, um, is something that some churches are okay with some are not. Now right. you could take that down a negative track. You could say, well, you're just using great players because they're great players and it sounds good and people like to come. I mean, you can go down that whole negative road. Right. But you can also choose to say, hey, you know, like, hey, buddy. I was going <laughs> to use somebody's name. <laughs> hey, buddy. Hey, buddy, man. You know, it'd be great if you we do this kind of music at my church. If you could play. I mean, because finding a good rhythm section. Right. Church or not. Right. Is uh, a difficult task. Right. So if you can find guys that can really play. And again, help help your congregation express themselves. Um, yeah, I think that's the way, though. I mean, that's how I feel like it should be. Yeah. And it and I and I love you know in a way it's sort of a justification to say you may or not believe this or not, but you are celebrating your God given gift. Yeah. You know, and then you have a killing <laughs> <laughs> Your band is just annihilating yeah. every Sunday morning. There you go. You know, <laughs> but you know, we're all, I'm always. It's all about context for your place. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. you know, churches are like human beings all over the place and they have their strengths and weaknesses and certainly have their like, you know, struggles and mm-hmm. certainly may do things for the wrong reasons or the right reasons, but they're still mm-hmm. out there trying to do it. So yeah, again, I feel like I, I'm really interested in 
the connection between spirituality you kind of just touched on it like the the humanness the inclusiveness Mm -hmm. the humanity of spirituality and i just i don't know man any any religion that shuts a door Mm -hmm. to people yeah that doesn't make any that's an oxymoron right Right. yeah and that's not as far as i know that's not how jesus lived right if you know if we're going to believe in something let's believe in inclusivity let's Mm -hmm. believe that we are together and not it's yeah. us and them. It's like the like, old how song. How do you manage that? Well, it's the old song. All God's people got a place in the choir. Some sing low, some sing higher. Some sing out loud on a telephone wire. Something, something. I don't remember how the rest of it goes. <laughs> I think that pretty much sums it up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, Jesus was all about uh, hanging out with everybody. Right. And he made a lot of uh, religious folks angry by hanging out with not religious folks. Right. So uh, it would be hard to... Uh, shut off any human being yeah. um, from the love of God. So, you know, there's um, there's all sorts of, I mean, it's it gets complicated sometimes, yeah. but yeah. I absolutely, I mean, I agree with you for sure. Yeah. You know? Uh, so folks can find your record uh, in May. It's, yeah. a, it's a new collection of songs. <clears throat> I You shared with me a little bit of it, and yeah. it sounds, I was like, this sounds incredible. You're like, it's not even mixed yet. Yeah. And it, thanks, man. it sounds great. And, uh, I'm really excited for you and, thanks, and, buddy. and happy to be playing with you whenever we can in with James and Joni and what you bring, uh, to that stage, uh, is such a, uh, such an asset on the stage and off stage. Uh, Kip Fox, you're, you're a dream. Thanks, buddy. I, I consider it a huge, just a gift every time I get to play with you and hang out with you. So No, it's fun. All right, man. Yeah. Appreciate your time. Hey. And you, ha- you, have, a, you have a busy year, kind of in a number of ways. Yeah. Child yeah. number two. You, Baby number two on the way. birthing a record. There's exactly. a lot of birthing. A couple of births going yeah. on, coming up. That's exciting. But yeah, by all means, please uh, uh, follow me on Spotify or Instagram or whatever. Kip Fox, I mean... It's hard, hard to. It's so it's not Kip Amadeus Fox. It's just Kip Fox. Yeah, Amadeus. Um, we left out. We left out. Yeah. I think that was a smart move. I think Kip Fox has a nice ring to Too it. Too distracting. Although if I had Amadeus in there, I might get some more downloads. Taggable hashtag Amadeus. Exactly. I don't know. Is I'll, that a thing? I'll work on it. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. Enjoy your day. Enjoy. This is. <laughs> <laughs> Ding, 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 ding. Huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs>